Hey, we got a couple of I told you so's this morning. It is 9.07. Glad to have you with us. Jennifer Bukowski is uh, going to be with us about 90 minutes from now. And uh, we'll uh, talk about some of the things that uh, she's into. But right now, even NBC is beginning to recognize what's happening to the electorate. In terms of the Democrat Party, they ran this piece on MSNBC. And uh, I want you to listen to these two Democrats. It's... Uh she wants the party to take stronger action on issues like abortion and voting rights. But our poll found that the top issues for Latinos was actually the cost of living. We see that prices are through the roof, and we want to know what people are going to do to help put that burden down. In conservative stronghold states like Texas, signs of a political shift among Latino voters, with more now leaning Republican. Jose Arriola and Maria Batres live in El Paso. Maria. You were a Democrat, and you are now a Republican. Why? Because uh, the fact that the Democratic Party has changed a lot, and I identif identify more with the uh, Republican Party. What things? Well, we're for God, country, family, and hard work. Jose used to vote blue, too. Now he's also a Republican and most concerned with immigration and beefing up border security. What are the concerns that you have about immigration? The fact of the matter is that we, you know, we don't feel safe anymore. Wow. That's from NBC. They don't feel safe anymore. So they're just not going to vote Democrat. The, the numbers are uh, pretty amazing. Uh, because every election cycle, the Democrats seem to lose more momentum. Um, and I kept telling you, this is not going to be uh, the Democrats' year. That, in fact, uh, I believe we're going to take the Senate on the right. Uh, the Republicans are. And that it's going to be close. But that red red wave is still coming. Not quite as big as it might have been. But, and I even told you, the Republicans are starting to peak at just the right time. And they are. In Wisconsin, uh, Ron Johnson has pulled ahead of uh, Mandela Barnes in the latest wave of public polls. Uh, in Pennsylvania, recent polling suggests that John Fetterman's double-digit advantage over Mehmet Oz has shrunk to a statistical tie. They're vying for uh, Pat Toomey's seat. He was a Republican. That was a takeaway the Democrats were praying for. Oz is not a particularly good uh, candidate, but his opponent is absolutely horrible. Um, the momentum in uh, both states, according to Axios, uh, acknowledged by strategists on both sides, means the pathway for Republicans to win back the Senate majority looks clearer. If they hold Wisconsin and Pennsylvania... Along with all the other states that Trump carried, Republicans would just need to unseat one Democrat incumbent. And I think they will. Uh, Nevada Democrats, well, uh, it's not looking good for Nevada Democrats. Uh, it, I keep telling you, this is, uh, this is not over. Let's, uh, let me see here. We, we've got, uh, again, we go to NBC. 
for the uh, for the story. Democrats currently hold a 21 point lead over Republicans in Congress, but that number is down from 26 points from this time last year and 13 points from 2018. Latinos are a key voting demographic for both parties and could be influential in the midterm elections. NBC News senior political editor Mark Murray joins us now with a closer look at those numbers. Mark, good morning to you. If you could walk us through why Democrats are losing ground with so many Latino voters, what are some of the issues Latinos are backing Republicans on and where are they still supporting Democrats? Yeah, we first saw this in the vote in 2020, where Donald Trump ended up making some surprising gains versus Joe Biden in uh, that presidential contest. And we ended up having a very large poll looking solely at the Latino electorate, which showed that 54 percent of uh, Latinos end up wanting Democrats to control Congress versus 33 percent. But as you mentioned, that is down from previous cycles, including a 42 point lead for Democrats when it comes to uh, the uh, uh, 2012. And on the issues where the uh, Democrats have the advantage, it's on places like abortion, health care, addressing the concerns of the Latino community. Republicans, though, have the advantage on the economy, uh, on crime and on the situation at the border. And Mark, NBC polling also included approval ratings of Biden as president. What stood out to you about those results? And are there any red flags for the Biden administration? Yeah, his approval rating is at 51% uh, versus uh, 45% who disapprove. And overall, you might end up saying that's a really good number for President Joe Biden, given his overall approval rating in our most recent national poll was at 45%. But this is way down from past Democratic performance, including former President Barack Obama, whose approval rating was in around the 70% uh, area uh, during his presidency. And so uh, Joe Biden is above water with Latino voters, but he's not doing is certainly as high as we've seen from recent Democratic presidents. And so a bottom line here with the midterms now just a little more than a month away, why do, who do Latinos in general want to see in control of Congress and what can each party do to try to connect with them? Yeah, on that second question, it's getting those people out to vote. My colleague Natasha Karecki has a piece noting that there are Democratic observers and strategists in Nevada, in that key state that's going to hold Senate and gubernatorial contests, that want to be able to get their voters out. And of course, Republicans want to get the their own uh, Republicans, uh, voters who've been leaning towards them out. Uh, but maybe the biggest takeaway of all from our poll is just how diverse the Latino electorate is, where you end up having women are overwhelmingly back. Uh, Democrats. Men are actually a little bit less. Uh, you end up having Catholic Latinos overwhelmingly backing Democrats, non-Catholic Latinos a little bit less. And so a lot of the same divides on geography, on when it comes to gender, and also when it comes to religion that we see in our normal politics are also playing out with a, a Latino electorate. Makes sense. An important note there. There's so much diversity within the Latino community. All right. There wasn't they used to be pretty solidly Democrat. And frankly, what the Democrats have been doing at the border was designed to bring in as many future Democrats as they could muster. But they've managed to alienate a, a larger and larger segment of that voting community. And at the end of the day, I think it costs them for a long time uh, national elections. Um, and in uh, in response uh, to all this, we hear, and this I'll need, frankly, Brian's help. President Biden said this. And New York sent not only a congressman, one of the most congresswomen in the Congress. Um, Can you repeat Brian? that? I uh, I missed it. 
<laughs> New York sent not only a congressman, one of the most congresswomen in the Congress. Oh, boy. That's going to be a... <laughs> 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 another can you like transcribe that and write it down <laughs> where I another, can absorb that in my brain <laughs> it's another biden moment uh, that we saved 8749390 the toll free 800-529-5572 you can also get me at garynolan.com send me a message that'll pop up right here in the studio <laughs> uh, the congress is sent a congress of the congress <laughs> what a brilliant statement that's uh, almost one, as bad as Fetterman's yesterday. I'm doing fa- I'm doing fantastic, and and uh, it's not about you know, kicking balls uh, in the authority or anything. <laughs> kicking balls in the authority or anything. Uh, boy, nothing hurts more than getting your authority kicked. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, that's painful. All the all the guys I know are aware of that pain. All right, uh, quick break. Uh, your calls, your comments, always welcome. It's the Gary Nolan Show. On the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 19 minutes after 9 o'clock. And I heard uh, that uh, Tucker Carlson uh, said what I believe. uh, That uh, the United States blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. And I hadn't heard it publicly anywhere else. I'm sure somebody else out there had come to the same conclusion. Uh, but over on uh, Bloomberg, uh, their uh, uh, television network, uh, there was a conversation that leaned into this. It's amazing how they, um, well, didn't want to acknowledge this. Jeffrey Sachs, Columbia University economics professor, talking. Now, uh, to make it uh, definitive, the destruction of uh, the Nord Stream pipeline, which I I would bet was a U.S action, perhaps U.S. and, and Poland. Uh, this is uh, right, Jeff, Jeff, we got to stop there. That's, a, that's a quite a statement as well. Why do you feel Absolutely. that that was a U.S. action? What evidence do you have of that? Well, first of all, there's direct radar evidence that U.S. Uh, helicopters, military helicopters that are normally based in Gdansk uh, were uh, circling over this area. We also had the threats from the United States earlier in this year that one way or another, we are going to end Nord Stream. We also have a remarkable statement by Secretary Blinken last Friday in a press conference. He says, this is also a tremendous opportunity. It's a strange way to, uh, sorry, it's a strange way to talk if you're worried about the piracy on international infrastructure of vital significance. So I know this runs counter to our narrative. It runs, you're not allowed to say these things uh, in, in, uh, in the West, but the fact of the matter is all over the world, when I talk to people, they think the okay. U.S. did it. Uh, just to tell you, well, and, and by, by the way, even reporters on our papers that are involved tell me Privately, yeah, well, of course, but well, it doesn't show up in our, our media. Professor, I, I don't want to get into tit for tat about what did or did yeah, not yeah. happen with Nord Stream because I don't have the evidence and we don't have a counterbalance to this. Oops. He said the unsaleable. The unsa- uh, uns- unsaleable? Can you say that? I've, I think I've just invented an, a new word. But I, I can't figure anybody else that would stand to gain from that except the United States. So I think we did do it. Uh, We've got an amusing uh, firearms story for you. Uh, We've got uh, Nevada Democrats. We did that one already. We've got uh, this... 
Schellenberger was talking about global warming. And he made some observations that, well, frankly, are also not something you should say in public. But we will a little later in the program. Also, down in Georgia, another sign that the Republicans are going to peak just at the right time. Wall Street Journal talking about Stacey Abrams. She has been claiming, not unlike Donald Trump, that she won the election, that it was stolen. And she went to court to prove that this election was stolen. Unfortunately for her, the courts just handed down a decision uh, that she won't like. Uh, And we'll talk about that a little later on. But I want to talk to you about your shopping habits. I want to know if you're still doing a lot of your shopping online or if you're starting to go back to brick-and-mortar stores. Do you find yourself now going to the store like you used to do and buying less on the Internet? Are you, you know, is it the post-COVID rebound? I, I think there are some advantages to shopping in person as much as there are advantages to shopping on the Internet. Some things I think you just, you have to feel them, you have to touch them, you've got to hold them up, look at them, try them on, whatever. Uh, and I think those, those items are likely to remain in brick-and-mortar stores. Then there's the speed with which you can acquire the goods. You go to the store, you get them, you bring them home, it's done. All in, you know, one shopping trip. You order on the Internet, you have to wait. You know, maybe it's only two days, but you have to wait. I don't think brick-and-mortar stores are going away. So I'm curious, have you found yourself going to the store more often post-pandemic than you used to? Uh, and I'll start with Brian, but I'd love to hear from you, 874-9390, or toll-free 800-529-5572. Brian, are you ordering less off the Internet and going to the store more? I think it really depends on what I'm shopping for. I mean, uh, I probably would not purchase shoes over the Internet. That's something that you got to try in on person. I mean, you get the shoes that you've bought off the internet and they're uncomfortable and you have to go through the process of sending them back, it's a pain. Yeah. So, but, you know, that's that's why I say it really depends on what you're shopping for. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, I wouldn't buy online as opposed to, let's say, I needed a bag of concrete. Obviously, I'm not going to go to <laughs> Amazon for a bag of concrete. It just depends. But, yeah, I mean, if, if uh, I'm looking for merchandise and I need it immediately... I'm going to try the local stores. If I can't find it there, then I'm going to go online. Anybody out there finding themselves going to brick-and-mortar stores? According to the Wall Street Journal, brick-and-mortar store owners are emerging from the pandemic with surprising strength, posting some of their best numbers in years. And they're plotting expansions as more Americans venture out to buy things again. U.S. retail vacancy fell over 6% in the second quarter. That's the lowest level uh, in at least 15 years. While asking uh, rents for U.S. uh, shopping centers uh, were 16% higher than five years ago, according to real estate services uh, Cushman and Wakefield. 
More stores opened than closed in the United States last year for the first time since 1995. Something is going on out there. Uh, this uh, uh, latest analysis from Morgan Stanley. Some analysts say they expect the trend to continue this year, even with recession fears rising. Um, it's a huge change. The real estate industry's uh, turnaround, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's a decades-long adjustment that included hundreds of retail bankruptcies, widespread vacant storefronts, plummeting demand for enclosed malls, and as a result, construction of new retail slowed significantly over the past decade. Now they're expanding. Do you find yourself going to brick-and-mortar stores more often? Let me go to the phones. Jeff is first in line. Jeff, are you going more often or less? We're going more often for the simple fact when you find things on the Internet, they get them at such ridiculously low prices, right? Yeah. Well, my wife and I, we have a flea market, and we found a bicycle online, and it was like $20. We thought, well, we'll get this bicycle and we'll sell it at the flea market. So we paid for it. It came and we got a bill from the bicycle. You got a... The little, the little ding-ding bell? Yeah. That's what was being sold on the internet, but it pictured the whole bicycle. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You got the bell. For yeah. tw- <laughs> Oops. So we're we're kind of you know leery of the prices on the internet. So when you go out shopping, you do more of your shopping in brick and mortar stores, though overall. Yes, we do because it's physically we can physically see the product, touch it, feel it. It is not just a bell for twenty dollars that we're buying. <laughs> okay, I'll bet that was a shock when you found out the package was delivered and it fit in your mailbox. <laughs> All right, Jeff, thanks for the call, buddy. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Patty, are you going to the to the brick and mortar stores more often? Yes, and that was so funny. Oh, <laughs> a bell. <laughs> Anyway, yes, because I like to support the community and because the government was so hard, you know, on our small businesses and it's really important. And I noticed that more and more people in, you know, different communities are feeling the same way and about farmers markets also. Yeah. Farmers markets. God, I love farmers markets. Yes, yes. And it, you, you feel so much better. I think in a smaller store and different places than in Walmart. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't dislike Walmart prices, I'll tell you that. I don't, I don't like, no, I don't dislike them, but uh, I feel that people are even nicer in the smaller markets, in the different ones. They probably have to. Uh, Yes, but it does help. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Who doesn't have a favorite? Yeah. All right, Patty, I got to run. Thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. 874-9390. The toll-free number is 800-529-5572. That gets you into the studio. Uh, and uh, GaryNolan.com will get you in here, too. 
Roundup lawsuits. They're starting to win. I'll tell you who next. This is the Gary Nolan Show. 935, glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Jennifer Bukowski, about an hour from now. In the meantime, uh, Roundup, we keep seeing these uh, lawsuits suggesting that Roundup is causing some horrible uh, maladies. And they lost their first three trials between 2018 and 2019. But it turns out that the tide is turned and they're on a winning streak now. Uh, and they have been able to prove that Roundup doesn't cause cancer. Uh, the German company lost three trials brought by Roundup users who said the product caused their cancer and that the company had failed to adequately warn about Roundup's danger. But now they're winning. They adjusted their uh, defense strategy uh, and they've come up with some experts that are, well, I guess more likable. Uh, the Supreme Court declined to hear an appeal by Bayer that could have blocked a lot more litigation. Uh, and they've resolved a bunch of cases. But their recent success in trials, because they've been focusing on the scientific question of whether Roundup causes cancer and providing more robust data to the juries, uh, the lawyers for the plaintiffs and the legal analysts, and uh, the company has been more aggressive in attacking their arguments on their individual use of the product. In six of the eight trials, Bayer has attempted to have judges approve split trials focused initially on the science. Uh, if juries determine that Roundup can cause cancer, they would next weigh allegations of the company's liability. Judges have approved that split in uh, several cases. And when they can't prove that it causes cancer, they go down the dumper uh, and Roundup wins. This is a good thing, because I don't think Roundup is the danger that these people are trying to make us believe it is. Um, what else? Oh, I, I told you this was the I told you so day. Uh, there is a, a guy from Hedgeye. He's a financial strategist. His name is Keith McCullough. And he's telling everybody, get cash, get gold, uh, and go for defensive plays. By the way, if you if you want, you can look at your stock you know at your stock portfolio today. It's much better. Uh, I don't know how long it'll stay that way, but anyway, this guy Keith McCullough uh, from Hedgeye Risk Management says we're heading for a recession and it's going to be hard. Remember yesterday we were talking about this. I said there's something something in the water. I don't know what it is, but I'm seeing all these negative signs uh, that indicate. We're headed for a, a pretty a pretty hard economic hit. Uh, his investment research firm's economic model turned bearish on stocks about the beginning of 2022. And since then, prices have tumbled. And he's still bearish. He's now telling investors to, to find defensive positions. Cash, uh, the U.S. dollar, gold, uh, income-producing equities. He's preparing investors for the painful recession he expects for both Wall Street and Main Street in 2023. To anyone expecting uh, the Fed to realize its rate increases have been excessive and rescue markets, McCullough is blunt. There is no dovish pivot. 
even if the Fed were to relent, the damage is done. They're far too late. Just like it was impossible for them to stop inflation, it's impossible for them to stop the, the pending corporate profit recession on the mainline recession or the mainline recession. So he's, he's agreeing with me. Something, something is going on out there. And I've got one more. One more I told you so. Um, what did I say, Brian, about Putin if he goes too far or he starts to, uh, to flounder? Uh, he would he, either be walked out or yes. carried out. Yep. Land grabs hundreds of thousands of conscripts thrown on the front lines and a nuke for anyone who dares stand in his way. Vladimir Putin, Putin has spent the past week doubling down on his war in Ukraine. But his bluster belies the simple fact Russia is losing the war and he knows it. The despot is desperate. His army is in tatters. His battle plans shot. He's burning through his cash reserves at an unsustainable rate. And winter is looming. Meanwhile, Ukraine's army continues to advance across the country, giving Kiev a viable path to victory, which begs the question, what happens if Russia is beaten? Um, according to uh, Alp Semlisloy, I can't pronounce his name, Sevim, Sevimlisloy, those names get really tough, uh, Millennium uh, follow uh, at Think Tank Atlantic Council who spoke uh, to Mail Online. That would mean Putin being deposed. Russia itself breaking apart NATO in a face-off with China over the spoils. The West has to begin preparing for that eventuality now. Otherwise, it'll open the door for Beijing to muscle into regions like Siberia, Central Asia, Africa, South America, where it already has toeholds, but we'll see opportunities as Russian power fades. We have to move into vacuums, uh, seek to exert influence. Then we have to face up to the People's Republic of China. China is globally connected uh, super, as a uh, globally connected superpower, and we have to combat them effectively. So he sees Putin in real danger. Uh, I said this was going to be the bottom line. He gets desperate enough to use a nuke, or he finds himself with his back against the wall, they will take him out. One way or another, he'll go. Uh, maybe he walks out, uh, maybe he goes feet first. But that's the other prediction. So, a bunch of the things that I've been telling you over the past several months appear to be coming true. Uh, they appear to be developing just the way I said that they would. And it's up to uh, it's up to us to, in many cases like this, the economy. I don't know what you guys are doing, but pay off as much of your debt as you can, because things are going to get pretty bumpy. Eight seven four ninety three ninety toll free eight hundred five two nine five five seven two. So, uh, Brian, you and I were chatting uh, just before the show about greedy libertarians. Yes, uh-huh. And you know how greedy they are. Well, no, I, I don't think they're greedy at all. I think libertarians and true conservatives are actually pretty generous. Yeah, uh, you know the old saying about, I've already got mine, and, and you can go, you know, do what with yourself? 
<laughs> the reason I thought this, <clears throat> I was thinking about a conversation you had with somebody probably 10 to 12 years ago on the show. It was referencing a topic that so we you want, brought You know up. what? Let's, you want to do the topic? Let's, we could, let's, see yeah. how it, let's see how it plays out today. You're, um, you're, you're, you're with a buddy and you're, you're going across the desert. Something happened. The car failed. I don't know. And you've each got some water. And your buddy runs out of water. And if he doesn't get some water, he's going to die. But if you give up your water, you might die too. Would you give up some of your water and take the risk? Or would you say, listen, you, you should have been a little bit uh, more careful about what you were drinking. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, there's nothing I can do about that. Would you share your water or would you just tell them, I, I can't help you? If you share your water, there's a good chance you'll die. Yeah, I think, in the, I think in the scenario that you uh, painted before, you each had a bottle of water. And, you know, you saved yours, you conserved yours, and he consumed his whole thing. Now he's out. And half of the desert trip you haven't even completed yet. But he chose to consume his whole bottle, you know, in one gulp. And uh, now you've got a half a trip left and you have a half a bottle left. And he has nothing. Would you share? Yeah. Would you share? 874-9390-800-529-5572. Uh, I, I concluded that I would not share. <laughs> and for that, I was considered... Yeah, you got in deep, deep trouble for that comment. Yeah. So, imagine this. Imagine it's you and a friend... You're walking across the desert. He's consumed his water. You've got half a bottle left. He's begging you, please share. Let me have some water. And you're thinking to yourself, if I share, there's a good chance neither one of us is going to make it. Would you take the chance and share it? Or would you keep the water for yourself? 874-9390. 800-529-5572. You can also send me your answer by going to GaryNolan.com, and it will uh, pop up here in the studio. Would you share, Brian, or would you... Uh, I just you and me. <laughs> oh, that's oh an easy never one. mind. I, I know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you and me. You're going to punch your own. your own, pal. Yeah, yeah, I know. No sympathy there. All right, uh, let me see. Jan, Jan is first on the line. Jan, would you share? I would. I would you, share it because when I ultimately died, I want to be on the other side, and God knows that I did the best I did too. But there's a real good chance you're going to die because you shared. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay, but I did the right thing. So you both die in the desert. Yeah, but hopefully... We both go to the the uh, best place we can go. All right, and and would, you'll have and, and you'll have yeah, a deep rich tan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, if Brian and I go, 
Uh, <laughs> he'll be used to the heat where he's going. He'll go, oh, this is all right. I'm used to <laughs> normal. Yeah. All right, Jan. Thank you. Thanks. I'm glad to have you on the Gary Nolan show. So, so Jan says that uh, she would share. Even if she thought she might die, she would share the water. One bottle, you know, gone. He consumed his. Would you share? Uh, Brian, I'll take Mardine, and then I'm going to take okay. a break. All right. Mardine, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Would you share your water bottle, or would you just say, listen, you shouldn't have drank it all? I'm not going to share, um, just like the, the virgins, the ten virgins in the story in the Bible. You know, the ones who conserved got to go with him, and the five who didn't. Didn't get to go, so no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna share. They had their opportunity. The 60 years I've been on this earth, I realized that people squander their stuff. They don't plan for much, so and I do. So no, I would not share. Okay, that's, that's, I said that once, and somebody called me greedy. It just doesn't uh, seem fair. It almost seems evil. That's what conservatives and libertarians are mainly. That's the way I look at them as evil people. They want to see people suffer. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, you and that, that must be a Democrat. <laughs> right. They're the ones that are greedy and want to see people suffer, but yet they won't admit it. They'll call us what they are. That's yeah. a Democrat. All right, Martine, <laughs> thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Would you share that bottle of water, or would you just walk away? You let me know. It's the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. <laughs> we want to flip the script on you. <laughs> Your friend has a bottle of water, and yours is gone. Do you club him over the head, take his water, and get to the other side of the desert? <laughs> Tough luck, pal. You well, guarded your water better. That's <laughs> yeah, your fault. Glenn sent me a message. Me and my friend? Is my friend much larger and stronger than me? It's one thing to be thirsty, but it's another to have your buttocks kicked and thirsty. I'd have to share. Um... You look at that. Yeah, you know, you're going to die, and uh, this guy's got that bottle of water, and he's not sharing. He's a libertarian or a true conservative, uh, and he's uh, he's looking out for uh, his uh, himself. Do, do you club him over the head and take the water? You're going to die if you don't. I don't know, Brian. You've got a twisted... <laughs> twi you and Glenn both have a twisted mind. Jason... Jason, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Do you share their, you share your water or do you keep it? Oh, no, my friend's going to pound sand because I'm not sharing. All I can say, you better run, be able to run faster than me because he ain't having it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you've got, and you've got water to drink if you get thirsty. Uh, um, you betcha. You bet, yeah. I mean, I look at it this way. If he's going to squander his water, that's his tough luck. Oh, you got to bounce that. Sorry. I did. All right, sorry, Jason. That's a is it was an amusing line, but you can't really say it on the air. Oh boy, uh, Terry, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. How are you? I'm fine. Um, I thought of uh, Aesop's fable about the grasshopper and the ant. So no, I wouldn't share. You played around while I was working hard during the spring and summer. So tough luck. So you just, all right, what if what if you just didn't have, uh, maybe your bottle fell and, and you ran out of water and uh, your girlfriend who's walking with you has a full bottle and won't share? If you don't, if she doesn't share, you're going to die. Would yeah. you? Well, 
I'm going to die sometime anyway, so I'm I'm at peace with uh, my God. So. All right. All right, Terry. Yeah, I just saw that. Thank you, Terry. Uh, Loretta Lynn passed away, age 90. Wow. What an amazing talent. Uh, sad moment. Uh, let me go to the phone. Uh, not the phone. Let me go to the uh, internet. Which friend is it, asks Roy. Wouldn't you know. Uh, Gary says, depends if he was a conservative or a de Democrat. Gene says, this is uh, this hypothetical water conversation isn't as useful as a more realistic hypothetical like the following. If you and Brian were eating Gary steaks <laughs> and there was only one serving of what? I don't know what that is. Some, was it dippy sauce? Or? I don't know what it is. Uh, uh, bistro sauce, I guess, remaining in the world. Would you share it with Brian? <laughs> nope. If Brian reaches for that, he's going to pull back a bloody stump. That's all I'm telling you. Uh, Harley says, uh, leave a friend to die in the desert. As a former infantryman for years, I wouldn't leave a comrade behind. We both live or we both die. I'd roll the dice and share the water. Well, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. You're welcome to, uh, to chime in on this. But the bistro sauce, and he didn't spell it that way. He spelled it with a D. Oh, yeah, that dippy sauce. He knows what it is. There, you haven't learned yet. I sent you a picture of the menu with C -C's, the dippy sauce on there. and CC's doesn't make anything called dippy sauce. Yeah. If you order those those onion rings, and they are... They're, um, you know, you can go to uh, uh, places like Sonic and those places, you get those onion rings and you bite into them and they're really oily. And I don't know what, I don't know how they make those onion rings, but they're fabulous. And then you get this uh, little bowl of bistro sauce. It's not bistro. Here, let me prove it. Did you try the onion rings with the dippy sauce? You see? You know, you keep quoting me out of context. No, I've just taken, you know, little bites of audio that you've said over the years. and <laughs> Out of context. No, no. What, how would it be out of context? How possibly? I'm quoting, I'm quoting you in that. <laughs> and you're using it like I'm saying it. But anyway, you get their, you got to get their onion rings. Um, that I like that. And the shrimp atescadero is to die for. Oh, do I love those things. That's CeCe's uh, City Broiler. And you could get there uh, wearing your new shoes from Dryer's Shoe Store. I'm just saying. And when you're through, <laughs> you might want to have a cigarette, but you don't smoke anymore. You vape. Oh, that's that's Brian. Como vapor, yeah. Oh, okay. We'll move on. Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.